Amen. You know, I'm, I'm really excited as a pastor. Um, and what I'm excited about is you take a look and you listen to the numbers that we're affecting uh, versus how many people we actually have that come to this church versus the other churches that are so large and what they affect. And so I'm excited about being a part of this church, being the pastor of this church, having people who are plugging into the vision to give back to the community. See, so many people think that churches, all they want to do is take. Take, 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 take. I don't want to be known as a taker. I want to be known as a giver. See, Jesus wasn't known as a taker. He was known as a giver. And so what I want is I want to be more like Christ. I mean, look, I mean, there's sometimes, I mean, I'll, I might be in line someplace, and, and I'll be like, hey, look, pay for the car behind me. You know, something like that, you know, it, at a fast food place. And, and, and people are like, well, what do you want me to say? Just tell them Jesus loves them, you know. I don't even tell them we're from Thrive or anything like that because, you know, I, I'm, I am trying to build a church, but more than that, I'm trying to build people and get them to connect with God. Because if people can connect with God on, on a real level, then lives are going to change. And I'm more concerned about that. I wasn't, I wasn't called by God just to pastor you know, Thrive Church, and that's it. We're just going to close our walls and nobody else. I was called by God to be a pastor, but I was mainly called by God to live out a godly life amongst the community. And that's what we're all called to do. Amen? And it doesn't matter how people treat you or what they say about you or anything like that. I'm going to tell you what. We love God and love people. I don't care if they're Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lutheran, denominational, non-denominational, it's not about that. And I'll be honest with you. I love you even if you hate God. See, so many, oh, you know, oh, that, that sinner, right, and Jesus hung out with them. It's exactly right. He didn't have to partake of it, but he didn't judge them over it. He just loved them through it. Because if you notice, people say, well, Jesus was, he was upset, he was mean. No, he was upset and mad at the religious folks that were so self-righteous they couldn't love people. Because anytime he ran across somebody who was deep in sin, he had compassion for him. He moved and he loved on them. And, and even the religious folks, when, when you see him in the, the temple and, and, and it shows that he, he made this whip and he whipped a few people, do you know the Bible said he had compassion on him? He sat and he, he ministered, he taught them after that. So, so he, he wasn't just really angry, he was hurt. But he was trying to break religion. And when I say religion, I'm talking about the kind of religion that we've made up in our society. Because there is a religion in the Bible that's pure and undefiled. But the religion that we've created on our society is not pure and undefiled. We make walls of division and separation. And I'll tell you what, we are one people. We are one. He, he created one people. And the people that he created are not white, black, brown, he created spiritual beings. And the thing is, is we are spiritual beings. And if you understand that, I live in a house that's gray. Across the street, the lady has a white house. Now, if she's going to be mad at me because my house is not white like hers, then there's something wrong with her. You know what I'm saying? I'm not white. 
I'm a believer. I'm a spiritual being. This body is just the temple or the house that my spirit lives in. I'm not Baptist or Pentecostal or non I'm a believer. And together we are the church. See, I'll tell you what. If everybody was green, we'd divide over the carpet. You know, I mean, think about this. So what is the point of what I'm saying? It goes along with what we've been talking about for the past several weeks, having an encounter with God. Because an encounter with God will change your life. And that's what we need. We need to have God encounters. Amen? So this is the third week of this series on having an encounter with God, connecting with God face-to-face. We also started 21 days of prayer, so we have six more days left. And if you haven't prayed, that's okay. You can jump in it today. You can just jump on in, and this is what we need to do, is what we need to do is we need to say, okay, well, what are we going to pray about? The first thing we need to pray about is our families. Families need to come back together because I'll tell you what, families are broken. They're broken all over, and we need to be praying on our face uh, for our families. What do, we need to, what do we need to pray for? Our families need an encounter with God, a true encounter. They don't just need another message preached to them. They need an encounter with God, a real encounter with God, and that will change their lives. And then from there, what we need, do we need to pray for? We need to pray for our church, our local church, the church in the, in the whole world in general. We just need to lift up the church. And we need to pray for the ministers of the church and, and the members of the church that, that we start walking out and becoming the Christians that God has designed us to be according to the Bible. Then the third thing, what do we need to pray for? We need to pray for our government because they have lost their minds. Republican, Democrat, liberal, whatever, they have all lost their minds. They're crazy. We need God back in our land. And that's what we need. We don't need religion. We need God. We need a true revival in our land. That's what we need to be praying for. And then the fourth thing I said we need to pray for is personally at Thrive, we have a missionary, John Smithwick, who's led two million pe- over, over 2 million people to Christ. That's a lot of people. We need to pray for him, but we also need to lift up all the missionaries. Because missionaries, they're going out there, and they're away from home, and they're in foreign lands, or they're in other places, and what they're doing is is they're doing a mighty work for God, and they 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 need finances, they need good health, they need help. You know, there's a lot of things they need. And you know what? You might in your heart say, you know what? God's calling me to support some some missionaries. Hey, go ahead and support them financially. God might say, hey, I might need to go take a trip out there and help them out physically. Go do that. I'm serious. You guys will, it will change your life. Totally. I haven't been on a missions trip in a long time, but I'm getting ready to go. I love the mission field. Because what happens is I start appreciating how much that God loves me that he put me in this country and how blessed I am to be here. And how blessed we are as Americans to be able to worship God the way we want to. So that's 21 days of prayer, and and, and that's what we're doing. We're focusing on God. And what's gone on so far is... is, um, I've had people come up to me to talk to me about small groups, wanting to start small groups. I'm so excited about that. I got a guy who wants to start a kayak group. I'm in. I am in. I've got kayaks ready to go. 
Um, got another guy, he wants to do another outdoors type thing like uh, a hiking and just different things like that. I'm halfway in. I've got the bubble in the middle problem. So I might need some help going up the hill. I think I can, right? And then I got another guy. He wants to start a fitness group, weightlifting, yoga, things like that. I'm like, yes. What, what am I seeing? I'm seeing in 21 days, we're reaching out to God. It's touching people's lives who want to do something in this church. And that's what it's about. It's about us going out and touching lives and things happening. And, and when I heard like, heard like 250 people that showed up to the event last year, we had 75. Last year was, man, next year, what are we going to have? You know, it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. And, and the Bible says, don't get weary while we're doing good. So what we need to do is we need to pray about this stuff. And we need to keep it up in prayer constantly. All right, Exodus chapter 23 and verse 11. This is one of our base scriptures. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. My goal as a pastor is not just to educate you in the Word. I am to teach the Bible, and I agree with that 100%, but my goal as a pastor is to get you to have an encounter with God because a true encounter with God, like I said, will change your life. And that's what has to happen, is we have to have an actual encounter face-to-face with God. You know, like I said last week, God's not looking at talking to you in 16th century Elizabethan. I mean, if you're from southeast Tennessee and that's how you talk, that's how he wants to talk to you as a friend. Y'all come back now here. You know, I mean, that, that's cool. That's okay. Oh, my. That's sacrilegious. No, that's just how you talk. It's okay. I mean, in California, dude, what's going on, bro? It's okay. In Tennessee, like, man, you, you know? But that's okay, face-to-face. He wants to have that personal connection and relationship with you. But you know what the thing is, is we're going to have a hard time changing if we don't know how to connect with God. We have to have an encounter. The second base scripture we used is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 in the Message Bible. It says this. It says, whenever though they, when it's talking about they, it's saying the church, turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil... And there they are face to face. So what he said is anytime you start going towards God, God moves the barrier out of the way and he comes to you face to face. So like say if you're in a worship setting and we're playing music and it's not just about playing music, it's about trying to connect with God. And if you're in your heart, you're really trying to connect with God, then what happens is the veil, the barrier gets removed and all of a sudden you sense his presence and you feel him face-to-face, and that's what he's looking for. It goes on to say, they, the church, suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. So he's not just a storybook. He's not just a, a statue or a picture or anything like that. Then it goes on to say, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constructing legislation is recognized as obsolete. So in other words, the law was abolished and is obsolete Because when God is recognized and Jesus is recognized, then all of a sudden we're under grace and we're not under the law. It goes on to say, we're free of it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. 
So this is saying the closer that we get to God, the more we're going to look like God. It says, and so we are transfigured, so that backs up what I, I said, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters uh, our lives and we become like him. And that's our goal, is we want to be more like him. I don't want to be more like a religious person that's just mean and hateful, and, and I, I don't want that. I want to be that person that when people, people come to you, they're, 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 they're looking for help. They're looking to you because they know they trust you. They know that you love them. Not because you say you go to church, but because they've observed your life. They know that something's different about you than everyone else they've come across. Amen? And anytime what you do, when you look in the Bible, and anytime you find that somebody has had a real encounter with God, it goes like this. Number one, he would touch them, and that's the first thing God would do. Then, then he would change them, and then he would use them to do something great. And that's, that's the kind of the progression that God uses when he has an encounter with people. And I believe that's what he wants us to do, or he wants to do with us. He wants to touch us. He wants to change us. And he, and he wants us to do something great on this earth. You know, and, and you might think that what you're called to do is meaningless, but it, it's kind of like this. Let's say the lawn outside. Somebody might say, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to do the lawn. That's kind of meaningless work. Let me tell you, before somebody's going to enter this door, they're going to look at that lawn and they're going to go, you know, that's kind of a trashy lawn. But see, they're trashy people. Well, I'm not going there. So actually, someone who takes care of the lawn is doing a spiritual service, and it's just as important as the service that I'm called to as a pastor to teach the Word. So nothing is meaningless. Everything is significant. Everything that we do for God. Announcements can be meaningless, or they can be significant. Just depends on the announcements, and depends on if I'm saying them or not. If I'm saying them, they're probably not that good. Anyway, so God created you for a reason. He created you for a purpose. He created you for a destiny. And you're destined to do something great. He didn't create you just to survive. He created you to thrive. And that's really why we call this church Thrive. Because what happens is this, is, is when we understand that we have a significant part and we tap into that significant part of what God has for us, then we start thriving. We start doing better. You know? But if we just say, oh, you know, I'm just going to do whatever, then what happens is we're just surviving. We just get by. You know, and I'll tell you, God didn't call us to live on welfare. He didn't. What happens is the church has taken on a welfare mentality. We're too busy giving people fish all the time. You know, do you realize Jesus didn't give people the, the, the same people fish again and again and again and again? Do you realize that? He taught them how to fish. The problem with the church is we don't trust God enough to teach people how to fish, and a lot of it's because we haven't learned ourselves. So what we have to do as a church is we have to learn how to fish. We have to be able to get into a tight situation where it all, it all looks hopeless, and you have to trust God to get you out of the situation in order to say, okay, now I've learned how to do this, I've walked in it, now I can teach other people how to do it. 
But see, so many people, what we've done is we've turned into a welfare society to where people go from church to church to church, and they live that way for year after year after year after year, and that's not the way God created us. He wants you to, to succeed. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to, you know, I'm not saying he wants you to be some type of multimillionaire, the next Bill Gates or something like that. What he wants you to do, he wants you to thrive. Why? So you can help other people and teach them how. You know why? Because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. He loves you. He gave Jesus for you. There is not a better gift than Jesus. Why would he hold anything back from us? So what we need to do is we need to have an encounter with God, not just another Bible lesson. Because we've been taught all these Bible lessons about how this is supposed to be. But until you have an encounter with God you're not going to be able to change to have that work in your life because God really has to meet you face-to-face for it to work. Otherwise, it's theory. And church has been turned into theory. And I'm so sick of just theory. I want an encounter. I want a close encounter with the God kind. I want God to infect my life in every area of my life, in, in my body physically, in my wallet when I need to, to spend money for whatever. And, and you know what? If you want to buy a bass boat, it's okay. Just don't let the bass boat buy you. There's a difference. Don't allow something to own you and control you. You need to own and control it and manage it because everything belongs to God. And if you understand it belongs to God, then it's really not yours anyways. He's just letting you use it. And that's cool, because if he's just letting you use it, and he says, okay, look, here, Jeff, you got that water, you can go ahead, and, and you, can, you can hold that, whatever, and, you know, it can be hot out or something like that, and, 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 and all of a sudden, I said, Jeff, say it's a $100 bill. Jeff, give that to Chris. Go ahead, give it to Chris. Now, Jeff's not ticked off, because it's not his. You know what I'm saying? You know why we get mad at money? Because we're owning God's stuff. That's why. If it's not yours, why does it bother you? It's because you stole God's stuff. Ouch. Anyway, that's not a part of the message, but that was just really, really good. You can say amen, Pastor. Thank you. Because, I mean, it does fit with encounters. See, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled in your life if you don't have a connection with God in the area to change. You're not going to be happy, and you're not going to get there unless you do what he's called you to do. Every purpose that we have here in this church is to try to, co- try to create an atmosphere to where people can change. Not, not so that way we just have some warm, fuzzy feeling. Have you ever been around people? I mean, they're good people. They probably feel God. They go, oh, i got goosebumps. That was God. Let me tell you, God is not a goosebump. If if God is encountering you, it's for a reason. It's not so you can tell me you've got goosebumps and, hey, praise God, I'm glad he touched you and you got goosebumps. Amen. But now let's, let's find out why this is happening. Let's go a little deeper than that. Because God, God's not the holy goosebump. But does it happen? Yes. But there's a purpose, there's a reason, and it's not just so we can say, thank you. 
mine, mine, mine. But there's a purpose, there's a reason for him touching you, for him touching your life. Last week we used the, the example of Moses. And we saw how God used Moses and, and we, took a, we took a good look there. And God revealed himself to Moses and he changed Moses and then he gave Moses an assignment and his assignment was to take the children of Israel to take them out of Egypt. I mean, we saw that, right? So today I want to do Elijah's, uh, our Isaiah's encounter. And in Isaiah's encounter, in Isaiah 6, 1 through 3, it says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, King Uzziah, he was a pretty good king for a while. I mean, he was actually one of the better kings. And, and what happened was, is, is things were going really well as long as he was following God, but once he stopped following God and things started happening in his, in his life, then things weren't going, going so good. See, he didn't finish well because he started getting into pride. And the way he got into pride is he didn't approach God the way God wanted to be approached. See, God has a certain way he wants us to approach him. And the way that God wants us to approach him is not, Thus though thine saith my father. He wants us to say, Abba, Father, Daddy. He wants us to, to, to approach him with an open heart. He wants us to, to come to him a certain way. Well, see, this king decided to come his own way. And because of that, he was struck with leprosy and he died a horrible death. And so now the whole nation was in uproar. They were in, in crisis. So it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, it says, I saw the Lord. So they were desperate. They were in chaos. And if you notice, it was when they were desperate, when they were in chaos, that's when Isaiah saw the Lord. And you know, a lot of times that's what happens with us. When we're desperate, our lives are in turmoil and, and things are spinning and we're going and chasing, God, I need you! And all of a sudden he shows up. You know, he would have showed up way before that. If we would have just came to him. And just talked to him and just been open. I mean, but the thing of it is, is if God can't get you in a good situation, and God doesn't cause crisis, we do. We reap what we sow. So in the crisis, he'll use it to get a hold of your heart if you let him. Now, like I said, the best way, you don't want stage four cancer for him to get a hold of you. You know? Wouldn't you rather be just like sipping on a Slurpee or something and, you know, I mean, just chilling? I mean, instead of the doctor saying, hey, look, uh, I need you to come in my office. I can't tell you what it's about until you get here. And you're, going, you're already thinking the worst. You know? Because, you know, if it's good, it's okay that they say it on the phone, right? Okay. So in a crisis situation, this is what happened. So it took crisis and it took chaos for Isaiah to, to actually see the Lord. And then it goes on to say, he saw him uh, seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, what he saw was this. He saw God was bigger than, than he thought in his mind. He had a real big God. Then it says, above him were Sarah. These are angels. It said, each with six wings, two that covered the face, two that covered the feet, and two that flew. Right? And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. So what happened in this is Isaiah got a great revelation of how big his God is. And that's what we need to see is we need to see how big our God is because if you understand how big your God is, all of a sudden your problem that was this big starts, it starts shrinking. So the first thing for your notes, God wants you to, or God wants to reveal himself to me. That's the first thing he wants to do. He wants to show you how big and powerful he is. Why? That way you can have peace in your heart that he's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than anything around and he can handle it all. Amen? I've been in the ministry 23 years. And in the ministry I've seen multiple ways that people, uh, ministers use to talk to people. But I found only one way actually really works. And the way that doesn't work is turn or burn. Because it causes fear. And God's not a God of fear. The way that does work is the same way Jesus did, is he loved people. He treated people kindly. He was nice to people. He was good to people. That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So I've noticed that if I really want to um, get into people's lives and be able to try to introduce them to God Almighty, what I need to do is I need to be good to them, nice to them, love them. Amen? I mean, that's really what we need to do, because if we're not doing that, what happens is people just don't want to be around you. Because people start get, feeling guilty and, and unworthy. And, and, you know, I was talking to somebody last night, and, and we were talking about church, and um, as we were talking about church, they said, or, yes, or no, Friday, I'm sorry, it was Friday. We were talking about church, they said, hey, uh, what do I have to wear? I said, normally, and I'm not doing it today, so if you're watching online, I'm not doing it today, I'm sorry, but normally I wear jeans. Come, come with clothes on. Start there. Because we are not in the garden yet, and we're going to know you're naked. I mean, if I came here naked, it would be offensive. No one would come in, and I would probably get locked up for indecent exposure, okay? So just come with clothes on. It's, a, it's good. We'll like you. But see, the thing of it is, is when you're able to speak into people's lives, then all of a sudden they can have an encounter with God. See, they can't have an encounter with God unless you're able to do that. Well, this is the whole point of our 21-day fast, I mean a prayer. Our whole point of 21-day prayers, so that way we can have an encounter with God, and then when we have an encounter with God, we can give somebody else an encounter with God. Amen? All right. Isaiah 6, 4 through 7. It says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Man, that was good. You can't edit that live. Anyway. Uh, this is God filling up a room. And that's what he does, is God wants to fill up a room. He wants to fill up this room if we let him. 
and this is what Isaiah said. He said, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Well, whenever you see how big your God is, what happens is you start seeing how small you are. Things change. It says, for I am a man of unclean lips. Do you know what that means? I'm a cusser. I speak bad language. <laughs> this is a prophet. He was saying that he used bad language. I have unclean lips, right? All right. He said, I live among a people of unclean I live a bunch of other cussers. We all cuss, God. I'm, I'm trying to bring it down to what, what he's saying here, because a lot of people, when they read that, oh, unclean lips, you know, I mean, okay, go to the bathroom, wash it off. No, no, no. He was cussing. All right. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. So now all of a sudden he's feeling guilty. Then, the one, then one of the uh, seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. I want you to think about this. So one of the angels, what he did is he went to the, the altar of sacrifice, and he took one of the coals and he touched his lips. Now we don't have the same type of altar of sacrifice because Jesus who became our sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, he took and paid the price once and for all for everybody for past, present, and future sin. So now let's insert Jesus in this area. It says, with it, so with Jesus, let's say, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Jesus took our guilt away. And your sin is atoned for. Jesus took our sin. Listen here, you cusser. I'm glad you're being honest, and I'm glad you got a whole lot of issues, but if you just accept this, <coughs> I'll clean you up. I'll make you look good. I'll take care of you. So number two, this is what I see. God wants to cleanse me. Now, the word cleanse, I don't know if you can write on top of your notes, but if you can't, Right to the side, you could put change. Because in the cleansing process, it's a changing process, and God wants to change you. God wants to change the current situation that you're in right now. Whatever's going on in your life right now that's not where it needs to be, He wants to change that situation. So when, we are, when God cleanses us, and when He changes us, then what happens is we start looking like and acting like what he's called us to be. Amen? All right. So that means every day we need to seek the face of God because even though that the cleansing process happened when Jesus paid the price and we accept it, the changing process is continual. It's not all of a sudden you say, okay, Jesus, come into my life. All right, I'm not going to do anything wrong now. That's how people get messed up. And then they wait for a lightning bolt to zap them to change them. It doesn't happen that way. It's a process. And as the process, how does the process work? We have encounters with God. And as we keep encountering God, we start transforming into the image of Christ. That is the process. There's no other way. He doesn't have a plan B. This is his plan. So what we need to do is we need to take a step daily. And as we take a step daily, what happens is we quit looking at our past and we start walking into our future. 
If you don't take a step every day to have an encounter with, with God every day, that day you're going to remain in your past. And if you, don't, if you remain in your past, you will never make it to your future. And that's why we need to have an encounter with God. So what happens then when we find ourselves and we see God and we're still messed up and we cuss and have addictions and, and all these other things and all these issues, I mean... How's God going to get us through that? I mean, how does, it, how does it work? Well, that's the next season that this church is going to go into, and that's why we want to get into small groups. Because when you take a look at how God uses everything in the progression, he uses relationships and people. You want to not be a cusser anymore? It's not about getting a lightning bolt. It's a, well, I'll give you an example. i got a friend of mine, Shannon. He's got this little group down the road, and the whole point is, is that group's there together so it can help change your life. So you don't do drugs anymore, alcohol anymore, or cuss anymore, or whatever it is that, that, that's your vice, but, but you don't just get hit with a lightning bolt by God and change. What happens is it's a progression, and God is using people to help facilitate that change. And that's why... I want people here to start getting involved in small groups because if you don't get involved in a small group, to be honest with you, you probably won't change. That's just the truth. God uses people. It's not just so that way we can go, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, we're just trying to build a church. No, 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 no. We're trying to help change people's lives. We want people to live better lives. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better husband then I want to be a better pastor. But I don't want to be a better pastor first. As a matter of fact, if I'm a better husband first, then the kids see that, hey, man, I've got a really, I want, I want a husband or, or a spouse just like that. Then I'm working on my kids just, just from that point alone. So that's what we need to do. And, 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 and so by me getting in groups with other people and, and let, allowing other people to speak into my life, then, then all of a sudden I change. Isaiah 6, 8, 9, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? He's saying, Isaiah, I need something done on the earth. I need some volunteers. And every time I look in the Bible, back to progression, reveals, changes, assignment. With an encounter, he reveals himself, changes, and assignment. Well, God has an assignment for you. He's got a place that he wants you to volunteer. He's got a place he wants you to, to plug into. And if we don't plug in, if we don't volunteer, then I'm, I'm going to tell you, we're not going to keep going on with the process that, that he wants for us as a church, but for you individually. And you might come to, ch to churches and go, man, that was really, that was such a good message. And you'll leave and, 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 you know, I'll be honest with you. It really bugs me when, when people f think that they've paid their dues in church and they don't have to volunteer anymore. See, when Jesus paid his dues, he went to heaven. So are you saying it's time for you to go to heaven? See, he said, am I going to find faith when I come back? When I find faith, it's people who are doing my will, doing my business, doing what I'm calling them to do. Or am I going to find that when I come back, or am I going to find a bunch of lazy people who paid their dues? Ouch. Anyway, 
So if you're not doing your assignment, you're not going to be fulfilled in life. We have to do our assignment. People say, oh, man, he's trying to make me work at this church. No, go work at another church. That's fine. Just do your assignment. I'm cool with it. It says, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. So God's looking for volunteers. Isaiah realized that he would use them even though he's a cusser. Even though he had issues, God's going to use them. So, you know, God knows your issues. God will use you if you allow him to. He said, go tell this people. And then it goes on to talk about, if you, if you keep reading it, you look it up in the Bible, it talks about Isaiah's assignment. He's got his own assignment. You have yours. I have mine. So you need to realize that God has an assignment for you. He's got an assignment for me. So, uh, what, Pastor, what are you, what are you talk, I'm talking about the purpose of your goosebumps. The purpose of your encounters. There's a purpose. There's a reason. Anytime you look in the Bible, it goes in that progression. Anytime some, God encountered anybody, that is the progression. Look it up. Look up all the encounters. You come out to the same progression. Paul the Apostle encountered God. He touched him. When he touched him, he got blinded. Knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. Right? So he touched him. Then when he touched him, then he started changing him, and he sent him to a guy named Ananias. Ananias like, man, I don't want to talk to Paul. (laughs) You know, that joker's going around killing people. Did you know that guy? And then after he changed him, he told him, this is your mission. This is your assignment. This is what you're called to do. You're called to minister to the Gentiles, to kings, to priests. Every progression. Every time you see God encounter people, this is exactly how he does it. So the third thing is God wants to use me. That's what God wants to do. God wants to use you. So your goosebumps is so he can use you. Your encounter, your touch, God wants to use you. He, he wants to take you to another, to another level. And the thing is, is, We want to create an atmosphere for you as a church. We want to create an atmosphere that's welcoming for the Holy Spirit so that way you can have at least one encounter with God because if you have one encounter with God, it will change your life. Just one. It was one encounter with God that if you're born again, that said, hey, Jesus, come into my heart. One encounter with God. Most churches don't have encounters with God. They talk about it. This is how it used to be. This is the way it was. The Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In order for him to be the same, he's got to be able to do the same. Amen? So, what I want to do is I want to start developing small groups so that way we can have significant encounters with God that will change our lives. So we can do great and mighty things for him. So we can influence others. And you know, everybody's been influenced by somebody, by a coach, by a teacher, by a pastor, by by somebody. I mean, everybody who has change has been influenced by somebody. So we'll close with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 3 through 4. It says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Of what? Of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our what? All our troubles. Well, why does he do that? I'm glad the verse continues. It says, so that we can comfort those. So what? So we can comfort those in any trouble with the 